morning, everyone. It is good to see you. It is trunk or treat day. <laughs> right, thank you. Oh, thank you, Jesse. So, uh, so, yeah, it is my birthday. And so, today... Today is the 20th anniversary of my 39th birthday, so, so I'm holding to that. So the kids in the back, they're all excited, trunk or treat from four to six. Man, I hope you come and participate with us. Let me tell you something. This is not about celebrating Halloween. There's a lot that I do not like about Halloween. There's a lot that I do not like about Halloween, but that's, that's different than creating a shared family event with our children where we can create a safe place where we can all come together and give them way too much candy, way too much sugar, and have some fun laughing, taking pictures, celebrating life in the Lord. And so we're going to have a fun time this afternoon, and I hope you come. I'll be the one standing over by the, uh, the truck, and the back has a little basketball goal. So we'll be shooting basketball if you come over by my truck. And, uh, and so I look forward to seeing you there. Man, I hope that today is a good day for you. So... We've been in this series called Transformed, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback, a lot of good information from different people who have just come and shared how, had a lady come up and share, and she says, I've been a Christian going to church for over 40 years, and I've never heard a pastor stand up and talk about just resting in God. And, I, and, and so, wow. And, and, and I got to thinking about that. And I thought, you know, I've been here 12 years, and thank you for that. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. For, so I've been here 12 years, and, and I've... I encourage you to do all kinds of things. We want you to sign up for small groups, join a small group. We want you to sign up for Growth Track and come to Growth Track. We want you to participate in 21 days of prayer. We want you to get involved in, in a men's event or a retreat or a woman's, women's conference or a, a, a marriage conference. We want you to get involved in Lyft. We want you to come to Trunk Retreat. We have, I'm always encouraging you to get involved, do something. Have you ever heard me stop and say, I want you to stop everything and just rest in the Lord? I should have. I, I should have been doing that. It, I, and, I, and you know what? I think probably there are a lot of us who are pastors in town and, and, and we get so caught up in the next thing to do and, and just keeping it exciting and moving and moving forward that we forget that Solomon said, there is a time to work and there's a time to abstain from working. There is a time to rest. There's a time to gather. There's a time to scatter. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to rejoice, right? There's a time to dance. There's a time to rest. And so we're in this series just talking about what does it mean to rest in the Lord? There's something about Jesus that the Hebrew writer found really unique. That as busy as Jesus was, as much as he had to do, the demands on his time, unbelievable. The things that he endured, suffered while he was on earth in a very short three-year ministry were unbelievable. But there was something about Jesus that the Hebrew writer found real compelling. And, and it begins, and, and I have it in this sentence, this is where we left off last week, and you can listen to these messages online, by the way, 
uh, Tyler has worked to get them on iTunes, and so you can subscribe to them, and you can they're on the podcast now, and so you can get the messages if you want to go back and listen to them. But the Hebrew writer said this in Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. He's about to tell you one thing he loves about Jesus. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. In other words, he, Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. He faced it all. Everything you're facing, he faced. He handled it well. He never sinned. And then he makes this leap, and it seems like it doesn't really fit. But look at what he says next. So, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And so it's, it's like the two you, you do not relate. It's like, hey, I'm just telling you about Jesus. He faced all the same things we did. And then he just jumps right into us. So we need to go to God in prayer every chance we get. Well, how do those two relate? Well, because the Hebrew writer knew every time life got busy for Jesus, every time he had to face a major decision, every time there was something difficult going on, the Bible would say, that Jesus would just go and spend time with God. And so what he's saying is, listen, if you really want to find life, you really want to find rest for your soul, then take a page out of the life of Jesus and regularly find time, make time, create time to rest in the Lord. Just go get away and be alone with God. And so we've been talking about how God transforms our lives and, and what that shows. And so we gave this progression. Here's the graphic where it says it really begins with reflect, reflective reading. Reflective reading, sorry, Remembering our Sabbath rest, and that's our foundation. Because what God created in the Old Testament as a regular every week rest, rest. Just, just to be, be alone with God. God. And then, and then Jesus, Jesus came, came along, along and he says, and he's, he's not, not taking, taking it away. There still remains today this Sabbath, Sabbath rest. rest. And you've and got you've to got create, create time for that. God, God demands it. it. If, if you don't, he will overwhelm you to where you will back away and rest, and rest yourself. And so he's saying this begins with faith. It begins with belief in God. And belief comes from hearing the word of God. And so, and so reflective, reflective reading, reading is just, just, I want to just get, get to know God. God. So, so I just sit down with the Word of God. God. And the, and the more, more I get, get to know the Word of God, the more it begins to change me. The more it begins to fill me. The more I realize what God has in store for me. The more I read about His promises, His encouraging words, and the mission that He has for my soul, for my life. And then it leads to this repentance, this place where... I, I, I read what God, what God is saying, saying to, me, to me, and I see how I live my life. I see what God is saying how I should live, and I see how I really live, and I notice there's a pretty big gap. And it leads me to active repentance. God, I'm not like what I read. I don't treat people well in the way that I talk to them. I haven't learned how to be patient and kind. Right? And so... I, I, now I now want to say, Lord God, God mold, mold my, my life, life 
until I become what I read and what I see in the life of Jesus. And so, and so the, the more, more I actively repent, repent it, leads it leads me to this penetrating, penetrating prayer. prayer. It, leads it leads me to this place, place to where I humble myself and say, God, change me, shape me, mold me, test me, try me, search me, forgive me, lead me, move me, help me. All these great psalms that you can read, all these great prayers that you can read. It's just, it's just I, 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 want I want to become more like you. It's, it's like, like, Lord, Lord I, believe. I believe, help my unbelief, unbelief which was the prayer of so many. many. And then, and then the, more the more we move into prayer, the more we submit ourselves before God, the more we say, I thought I was getting it right, I'm not getting it right, and I'm embarrassed about the gap. So it leads me then to total stewardship. Oh, Lord. Teach me how to give you my whole heart. Move me so that I can become completely yours. Not just part time, but all the time. Because there's something about me that makes me want to run away from God. But there's something that I can't run away from. And when the apostles were faced with the same thing in John chapter 6, and all the people just started leaving Jesus, and he turned to the apostles and he said, are you going to leave me too? And then Peter gave these great words, which is the reflection of our life. Lord, where can we go? You, you have, have the, the words, words of eternal, eternal life. life. And so I want to learn how to give you my whole heart, heart which is which now going to move me into the mission for our lives, the community involvement. Go, go into all the world and take the good news to people who live in a very dark world. Let them know there is freedom. There's freedom from the sin your past has hurt or pain. So that's the progression. And so today, we've already talked in the first two messages you know, about this reading and this hey, repentance and humbling and finding, and finding the Sabbath, Sabbath rest, rest and being alone with God. And so today I want to talk about prayer and just really getting alone with God. And this is that moment. This is the pivotal swing. This is the place where it moves us from our agenda to God's agenda. And so as we began just talking about this and thinking about this, I think, I think we know, we know prayer, prayer changes lives. lives. That, that really spending a long time, time with God will transform us, right? right? But how but few how people, people actually, actually do it? Do it. I mean, I what mean, is it about us where we know spending a long time with God will really change our life, but people still don't do it? So I just went and I just tried to find out what are the top reasons why people don't pray, why they don't devote themselves completely to prayer. And the first one is people don't think they have enough time. It's, well, man, I'm so busy. I got so much going on. I wish I could spend more time for it. Got to get up. Got to go. Got to move. Whew, children, job, you know, finances, this, that. Uh, I'm so busy. I just can't. I don't know what it is. I'm just carted out of my life. And yet, in that same article, it said the average internet user spends over two hours a day on the internet. That might be. The great, you know, use of Facebook when we all stand before God. Like, oh, you didn't have enough time for me? Let me just check and see how long you were on Facebook. Oh, seems like you had plenty of time. <laughs> and decided to spend it with yourself. Right? Now, look, I'm not trying to heap guilt on anybody. I don't want to do that. But it's amazing how so many people say, I don't have time for God. 
Wasn't it Martin Luther who said, if I don't pray two hours every morning, I will not have enough time to get done all the things I need to get done? In other words, I'm going to focus on God because from Him comes the wellspring of life. Amen? And without that, I'm running on empty. Number two, we don't think it's important. We hear about it we, until somebody's in the hospital, until we get the phone call, and, and all of a sudden, it seems like everything's going to be taken away. My job, a relationship, health, and then we're in a crisis, and then I guarantee you it's important. But it's like the guy falling off the roof. Lord, help me! You know, if you help me, I'll give you the rest of my life. And then he gets caught by that nail. And he stops and he goes, oh, never mind. <laughs> right? It's like it, when I'm in a crisis, it's important. But outside of that, I'm so busy. And then number three, we don't believe it makes any difference. That was amazing to me the first time I went over to Russia on a mission trip, 1991, over in October. And we went to Siberia, went to this place called Barnul, a couple million people. And I would go to these places where all these teenagers were, and it was just amazing talking with them. They didn't understand even simple words. I used the word blessing once, and they're like, what is, what is blessing? And I thought, oh. So I had to rethink how I communicate the things of God to people who don't know the church language, right, with simple words like blessing. And, and in their mind, they couldn't figure out how God had done anything to bless them ever. Or why they should pray because they didn't understand how prayers would be answered. And, and it just made me communicate and see, here's a whole nation of people who don't believe that God is important or has anything to do relative to their daily life. And in America, it's becoming more and more visible. And these are the top reasons why people don't pray. And yet, we often read about Jesus spending so much time in prayer. Now, if there, was ever a if there was ever a person who did not need to pour out their life in prayer, it would have been Jesus. What did he have to ask for forgiveness? Right? What did he do wrong? And yet, well, let me put it this way. I went through, and, and this week, it was, I, I wanted to just find out all the places in the, in the Gospels where the Bible talked about Jesus withdrawing to a place to pray, withdrawing to get away. Now, I want to read you something. Just, I got this from Leon. Uh, he sent it. Did you send it this morning? I got it this morning. I don't know when you sent it. You don't remember? It was uh, Stanford News. And uh, Stanford researchers, yeah, Stanford, find mental health prescription. And so they've been doing this study, and they said nature is one of the great healers for things like depression and mental uh, challenges. And so you go down and you read, this study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science found that people who walk for 90 minutes in a natural area as opposed to participants who walked in a high-traffic urban setting. Now, walking is good, amen? But they're not trying to judge... You know, is it good for your legs and is it good for your heart and is it good, you know, is it exercise? They're asking, what does it do to your soul? What does it do to your mind to, to re-energize you for 
from the inside out. And it said it showed that it decreased activity in a region of the brain associated with a key factor in depression. And he goes on in the article to just say, you know, these people who, who will get alone and go out into the woods or go on a nature trail or they get out among trees and listen to the birds and the wind, that there's something about nature that did something to us that we can't get anywhere else. And, and what's unique about it is this is not a biblical study. They're not trying to, you know, do something for pastors to share in their churches. In other words, it didn't matter if anybody prayed. What mattered is that God was speaking to them. Nature was speaking to them. And so they took all these participants and they would do all the study before they went out. They would send them out. And when they come, came back, they would have stuff on them while they were there. And then different measuring all kinds of things. And they did it with people who were in nature and then people who were in urban settings. And they said, it's amazing how the people in all of these, on, in, in these nature, in the woods, in the wilderness, out alone, how they came back more refreshed, more positive, more at peace than people anywhere else in the world. Now, now that I've mentioned that, I want you to see, I found six examples I want to share with you. And just, just look at the words that begin to jump out at you in these passages where Jesus went and just spent alone time with God. So, I, I, and I gave the bullet points, you know, uh, not, I didn't spiritualize them for Jesus. I put them in context that would be for us. So the first one I put, before beginning his career. It's like when your career things going on with your career, you're starting a new career, you're ending a career, you're changing careers, you're, you're going to school for a career, you know, we're just, what am I going to do with my life as it relates to uh, my job, my, you know, who I am and what I do. So Jesus, before he began his ministry, he was 30 years old, his ministry was only going to last three years, but before he started his ministry, he wanted to go spend long, some alone time with God. So he went, John the Baptist baptized him in the Jordan River. After he came up out of the water, the Bible says he, he left, you know, the people and he went to spend time alone with God. Look at the way it says in Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days and Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. So you can read all the Gospels and here's talking about Jesus. That all he wanted to do is just go spend alone time with God and he went to the wilderness to do it. He went out to nature just to spend time with God. Just only time with God. And he was going to give up eating. So he's praying and he's fasting. And yet the enemy met him there. That's where Satan came and attacked him just, you know, just over and over and over in the wilderness. You know, but this is important to Jesus. He's about to begin his ministry with the Holy Spirit to transform the world. And all he wanted to do is get alone and spend time with God. And the enemy, Satan, did everything he could to keep Jesus distracted and to keep him from it. Now, maybe you notice the same thing. And so one of the key times for us, whenever we're thinking about when should I get alone and just go spend time with God? The first one is when it comes to your career, your job, who you are, what you do every day, your impact on people, on your finances. And that part of your life. It may be the place where Satan is going to do the most to distract you 
and, and run after you the hardest. But Jesus went alone and got with God 40 days. That was the first one. Number two, when demands for his time increased. Now, the first year of Jesus' ministry, we call it the, the year of popularity. Because Jesus was the new kid on the block, and everybody wanted to go to that concert. And so, everywhere Jesus went, people went. People just showed up. And they're like, who is this guy? And the Bible said that he taught in a way that nobody had ever taught. He explained things in a way that nobody ever explained. He healed people from their diseases. He performed other miracles outside of that. And people were amazed. You doubt it, just go to the book of Mark. And on almost every other chapter through chapter 10, you're going to read where the Bible says the people were astonished. The people were amazed. The people were completely astonished just over and over and over again because Jesus was amazing. And, and, and what happened was more and more people demanded his time. They were just, he couldn't go anywhere where there wasn't a crowd and people demanding something from him. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. I love this line. But Jesus often withdrew, here it is again, to the wilderness for prayer. It, it's not that he just withdrew to pray. It's even where he went to pray, just to get alone. And the Bible says here that he often did it. So there are a lot of times that Jesus went alone to pray in this regular rhythm of ministry in his life just to spend time with God and to be alone. What about you? When demands on your time get very busy, when people are always wanting something from you, when you don't have enough hours in the day to get done everything that you need, are you spending time alone with God so that he can restore your soul, refresh you in your spirit? Number three, before making important decisions. And there are oftentimes these decisions in our life, especially when it relates to our partnerships with other people, that we need to spend time and just stop everything and pray. For Jesus, this is one where he's about to go out and he wants to choose 12 apostles. This, this group of men who are going to partner with him and transform the world and create what we now call Christianity. It was, back then they called it the way. And so in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 13, it says, One day soon afterward, Jesus, there it is again, went up on a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night. And at daybreak, he called together all his disciples, and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. So I've got all these people, God, and they're following, and, and, and they're, they're listening, but I need you, God, to help me choose the ones who will help us to transform the world, those who you want to be your leaders in the church and to be the evangelist and go into all the world and take this good news. Now, did Jesus know? Was he all-knowing? Could he have gotten that information without spending all night in prayer? Well, of course. But what was it about his relationship with God and his dependency on that relationship just to make sure that he got it right and he did it with the right attitude and the right spirit. So he just gets alone and he goes up into the mountain. Spends all night in prayer. And then for us, it's just like, man, when it comes to important relationships in our life, are we pouring out time 
you know, with God, just to talk about, God, I want to pray for my daughter right now. I want to pray for my son. I want to pray for my spouse. I want to pray for my brother, my parents, my my siblings, that weird uncle I've got. I want to pray for, God, all these people. I want to pray for my neighbor. I want to pray for my business partner. I want to pray for my boss. I even want to pray for my enemies. I want to pray for the people sitting on the street corners holding up, I'm homeless and hungry. I want to pray for those who are shaking their fist, trying to stamp out everything I believe in. How often do we get along just to pray because relationships are important? Major decisions in our life about who am I going to partner with? Who am I going to trust with the deep secrets of my heart? Where am I going to go when I really need to just pour out my heart? Who will, who will I partner with in life and just give that to God? And I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to cover them, and I'm asking them to cover me in prayer. Number four, after a very busy day, after a very busy day. So in Mark chapter 1, you have this, Jesus, about halfway through the chapter, the Bible says, so Jesus and his apostles went to Capernaum. And when they got to Capernaum, they got there and on Friday and so on Saturday on the Sabbath, he just gets up and he goes to the synagogue. And when he gets there, uh, he just begins to teach. Now, I don't have this in, uh, on Scripture behind me. Just, you'll just have to go and read it in your Bible. So Jesus began to teach. He teaches for hours. And people are amazed. They're like, this is unbelievable. I've never heard somebody preach like this. They're asking questions, bantering back and forth. Jesus spends all day. At the, near the end of the day, he leaves with James and John, and he goes to Peter's house. The Bible said that scripture, the Bible called him Simon. So he goes to Peter's house, and Peter was married, and his mother-in-law was sick. She had a high fever. They told Jesus about it. He goes into the back, and he heals her. He lifts her up, and they celebrate. They, they spend, I guess, dinner together. After it, they walk outside, and the Bible says it was sunset. Evening had come. And when they walked outside, the whole town had gathered outside Peter's house. And they wanted to be healed. They wanted more teaching. And so the Bible says Jesus just patiently healed as many as he could and taught. And I'm telling you, you know, when people come up and they want healing, it's more than just be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. That would be awesome. You're just, I'm just going to sweep this over all of you. Now go home. <laughs> but that's not the way Jesus was. When someone would come up, they would tell the story, and they would be crying, and Jesus would heal them. And then somebody else, because everyone who needs healing has a story of pain or trauma that goes along with it. Have you noticed? Including me. And he was so good to minister to the, the heart and mind of the individual as much as he did what they physically and I don't know how long it took. I just know it was into the night. And then the Bible said, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. So Jesus loved wearing himself out, helping people, hearing their trauma, hearing their story, and doing what he could to insert himself, insert God into the midst and help people find the healing that they were longing for. But it would also wear him out. And he knew, my strength comes from the Lord. And so he would just go to spend time with God. Number five, after receiving bad news. And there's two different verses of scripture here. Verse 13 
And then I gave you the verse of 22 and 23. In between, here's what happened. So before verse 13, a messenger comes to Jesus and tells him that his first cousin who baptized him, John the Baptist, was beheaded. And Jesus was emotional about it. And so the Bible says in verse 13 that as soon as he heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. So he went to the other side of the lake, but all these people found out where he was going. And so they ran around the lake, and they beat him to the other side. And so in those verses that are left out, they're all waiting for him. And he gets there, and the Bible says his heart just goes out to him. And so he just begins teaching, preaching, and then to begin doing healing. And they were hungry. And so he fed 5,000 women. There were also more men, and more than like 15,000 people who were at this place. And Jesus just poured himself out in the middle of his grief. He just poured out everything on these people. And then at the end of that, starting in verse 22, it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. So Jesus just, had to get out to nature, had to get out to the mountains and go up into the hills and just spend alone time. And he grieved. And he hurt. I understand this one a lot. You know, I mean, so just when, you know, when you have, uh, you know, I lost my father. And, and for those of you who have lost somebody really important to you and and life is, you're getting phone calls and you're getting text messages and you know to, you need to prepare for funerals. And, and there's just a lot of stuff to do in a very busy and hard time in your life. And all you want to do is get away. And I'm I'm a I'm naturally an introvert, and I I just have to go be by myself. So there are times you know that I that's all I want to do. Sometimes here, um, I'll just get in my truck and I'll ride around. One of the things I like to do the most is just I like to circle the city and just kind of pray around the city. And so sometimes I'll just go and get something to eat and just circle and ride. And that, that's just what I do. But I think you can understand. If you get bad news, if something overwhelms you, and it doesn't have to be about death, it could just be about troubling times or hurting people or trauma or just things going on that mean a lot to you, situations that you don't know how you're going to overcome them, and you need God to insert himself. If there's going to be success, that's a time to stop everything and just pray, right? Number six, as Jesus faced the end of his life, his own immortality, he's at his last supper with his apostles, he knew, he said, my time is here. And uh, he told the apostles what was going to happen. And after the meal, they all got up and they went out to go to the Garden of Gethsemane late in the evening. And he took his apostles and he had some of them pray. He took Peter, James, and John a little further into the garden. He had them to go pray. And then the Bible says that he went alone to pray, Luke 22. And he walked away about a stone's throw knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. The Bible says he does this three times. and He prayed so deeply that the sweat that was pouring from his body was red, mixed with some of the blood, just intense prayer because of what he knew he was about to endure. And so here are the six. 
When should I pause and pray? When should I stop everything and just make time to go be alone with God? When it involves your job or your career. When it involves demands on all of your time. When you're facing major decisions or key relationships with people who are in your life. When you're really, really busy. When you're facing hard times. And when you're facing your own immortality. That's about all the time. No wonder Paul said pray without ceasing, right? It's like, man, that's you just described the, my upcoming week. Okay. Have you created time for God? Have you created space? Because life can be overwhelming. And this example from Jesus is crying out to you. And it just, maybe it's even quietly calling to you. Come and be with me. Come. I will lead you beside green pastures, beside still waters, and there I want to restore your soul. It's almost like God is begging us, just get alone. Go out to the beach. Go walk through some of the trails that you can find up by West Florida University. Just go out and get alone with God. I love this, where Jesus taught his disciples to rest. Jesus sent them out in pairs. He sent them out by two. And he sent them, he said, listen, I want you to go and I want you to preach the news. And I want you to go into all these cities and communities and don't take anything with you. Don't take a change of clothes. Don't take any food. Don't take any money. People will help you. And, and just go share the good news. And they did. And then they all came back to Jesus. And when they all came back, look at what it said. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told them all they had done and taught. So he just listened while they told him all the stories. I don't know how long it took, but I bet it took a little while. And I bet there were some things that were exciting, some things that they learned, some things that scared them. And at the end of it, look at what Jesus said. Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. You know, I typically just run over verses of Scripture like that just to get to the next story. Have you noticed you do that too? You get to a good story of Jesus and then there are some of these verses in between the stories and I tend to just rush right by them. Don't rush by this one. They're telling Jesus all the stuff they had done. They'd been really busy. They came back and Jesus is like, hey, I got a good idea. Let's go be alone a while. Let's just go rest in the Lord. Let's tell him thank you and let's get refreshed because more is going to be asked of us. I wrote down three things at the bottom of your outline. How often do you get alone? Just get away to be alone with God? How often? How long has it been? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you a little tired? Man, God is calling you just to go be alone with Him. God created a weekly rhythm and Jesus followed it. Jesus knew how important it was just to get alone and be with God. And then number three, choose a time this week to spend one hour with God. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, as your pastor, I'm just asking you to do it. Get alone and spend time with God. It's time to rest. You're such a great church. My goodness, you're a great church. Do you know that you sponsored over 75 families last Sunday? on the spur of the moment. You didn't know it before you walked in. And when you walked out, you sponsored 75 families. 
to have a Thanksgiving meal. I'm so proud of you. You know, you, 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 you can celebrate that. And so on November the 10th, we'll have all those little baskets up here. And each one of the baskets will have a gift card and an address. And we're going to ask you, if you'd like to, will you help us deliver these? And you'll get to go deliver a basket. You'll knock on the door and you'll say, from First City Church, we just want to tell you thank you for pouring your life into the heart of hurting children. We just want to pour our hearts into yours. God bless you. And that's it. And you're just going to bless families who are blessing hurting children in our community. And you're so good. You're so good. You have such compassionate hearts. But I want you to rest for two reasons. Number one, we need it. And number two, God's going to call us to more ministry next year. And so take these holidays and rest in the Lord and be prepared for the good things that he's going to do for you in our hurting community. Amen. Let's pray to the